Hey gays. Hey gay. Oh no. <laughs> Let me, okay, we're going to have some silence and I'm going to get started again because I don't want to host a train wreck. <laughs> hey everybody and welcome back to the podcast. This is Unseen Supreme, the non-essential movie podcast. Today I am your host, Holden Foster. <laughs> Holden Foster. So I'm I'm here. Uh, I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to throw to y'all, and it just doesn't look like anything's I'm picking up. And I'm John. Uh. Welcome back. Thank you guys for tuning in again. This is our eleventh episode, number eleven, and today we are talking about. Black Dynamite. Uh, last week, Maddie hosted a great episode on Clueless. You can listen to that now uh, in the same place that you're listening to this episode. Is it, is it weird that I I listen to our episodes multiple times? Like, I'm here to record them, and then when 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 we release them, I listen to them multiple times. I bet I'm driving up our our listening numbers. No, I do that too. I think it's a vanity thing. I just want to hear myself talk. Yeah. Yeah, you're affecting our uh, you're affecting our insights, John. We're not going to know uh, who's really listening. That's true. No, we got to get the views up, up so we can get sponsorships. We got to be like Johnny Depp and not watch our own movies, not listen, listen. to our own podcast. We, we probably should not be, be like Depp. Johnny Depp right now. <laughs> Just saying. Um, well, he's not I doing well. I might have a different opinion. I don't want to be Amber Heard right now. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what how to feel on anything anymore. I'm, it's been I'm just so confused. back and forth, and it's an all infuriating. But I think it's I think it's her. I'm just out in the wilderness and trying my best. That's all I'm gonna say. It's all a bunch of shit, but you know what is it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's not this movie, Black Dynamite. That's what's not. Dynamite. Oh, that's what's not. Dynamite. So why don't we why don't we talk about one of my favorite parody movies of all time? <laughs> Dynamite. Never in the history of the game has there been such devastation. The CIA needs Black Dynamite now more than ever. We need you, Black Dynamite, now more than ever. I thought I told you, hunkies from the CIA, that Black Dynamite was out of the game. And he's better than Sheriff Superfly and the Mac put together. But when the mob kills his brother, your death will not go on a bench. And put the dope on the street. It's my nephew Bucky. He OD. He's back in the game and he's playing for keeps. Dynamite, starring all-star running back Ferrante Jones, fashion model Tambula Takar, William T. Michelson, Ronnie Sinatra, Little Tiny Tiggs, Junebug, Bo Willie Peter, and me, that bad bullhunt. Black Dynamite, filled the cinema phonic quadro so let so me excited. just start by introducing, if you guys haven't watched Black Dynamite again, what are you doing? You, you gotta. What are you doing here? You gotta stop and you gotta go watch Black Dynamite because you're. This thing is a gonna be spoiled, just like crazy. And well, according B, to it's gonna be spoiled like crazy. According to your be- notes here about box office returns, I'm not surprised if 
people haven't heard about this movie. I had not heard about it. That's okay. That's why we're here. We're here to we're here to talk about great movies that we love and ones that are held in high esteem and ones that float under the radar like Black Dynamite. I am proud to know about Black Dynamite now. And I can't wait for other people to discover it as well. We are the white saviors that this movie oh, needs. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I hope you guys feel lucky enough to have heard and watched uh, Black Dynamite. John, I hope you got good use out of the Blu-ray I got you for your birthday. You know, after watching this movie, I could not help but think how grateful I was to have a physical copy of it because I will be watching it again and again <laughs> and then again. I watched it twice. And I don't rewatch movies. Yes. I was only able to watch it once before this podcast, but I wish that I would have watched it at least nine times. This movie is the G-O-A-T. Black Dynamite. Damn. You guys couldn't have said it better. But for those who are unfamiliar to this, if, if, if we have some violators in the audience who aren't watching the movie... Let me give you just a quick synopsis on Black Dynamite. So Black Dynamite is the greatest African-American action star of the 1970s. And when his only brother is killed by the man, it's up to him to find justice. That's that's all you need to know. That's the synopsis. But let me give you some taglines here. Taglines. He's super bad. He's out of sight. He's Black Dynamite. You had to, You had to have a rhyming one. Yeah, for sure. Well, this one doesn't rhyme. This is the this is the <laughs> only other one. Uh, he's a powder keg full of black fury that's about to explode. That's fitting. So I'd both of those taglines are A plus. So let let me talk about who stars in this movie because this this kind of this makes it memorable because um, all of these players are so good. Uh, Michael Jai White is Black Dynamite. Uh, stars Sally Richardson Whitfield, uh, Byron Minns, Phil Morris, Arsenio Hall, Kim Whitley, My uh, Michael T. Williamson, uh, Cedric Yarborough, Roger Juan, and John Kerry from the original Dolomite. If you have ever heard of Rudy Ray Moore, or if you have seen Netflix's Dolomite is My Name, starring Eddie Murphy. I have seen that. It's a fantastic movie. And I have seen the original Dolomite. And I've seen Dolomite the Human Tornado as well. I hope those are two separate movies. So let's bust that on that. I'm, I'm glad you have some reference here. Have you seen Jackie Brown as well? I have seen <gasps> Jackie Brown, yeah. We watched that last night. So we have, you forgot Tommy Davidson? Tommy oh, Tommy yeah. Davidson from uh from In Living Color. <gasps> you cannot forget Tommy Davidson. Tommy Davidson. Oh, Cream Corn. Who has the greatest character name in this movie, Cream Corn. Oh, I could it's not perfect. He's the get greatest character that. in this movie, but we'll talk uh, about it. I'm just it. trying to think. There's just so <laughs> there's so many faces that pop up in this movie. It's it's hard to keep track. Especially when the IMDB credits are by first build. So before we get into yep. uh, too much detail about Black Dynamite, let's talk a little bit about the cultural context surrounding this movie. Uh, so Black Dynamite was released in 2009. I was... 16. I think I was just getting my driver's license. This movie was a favorite of mine uh, and my high school best friend Garrison. We used to watch it and quote it together. Uh, and then later I would have like a newfound appreciation for this movie 
when I was going through the uh, film school circuit and taking uh, separate classes and learning more about this genre and just all of the movies made surrounding it. What is the genre? Uh, this genre is exploitation film or more specifically black exploitation parody. And we'll talk a little bit later about how maybe this fits into either or. Um, but let's give a little bit of cultural context behind this movie. So in 2009, uh, most importantly, uh, Barack Obama becomes the 44th president of the United States of America. And he is our first African-American president. Good guy. Bitcoin is created as the <laughs> first block of digital currency. Um, I did not know it was that old. Yeah, yeah I'm surprised about that, too. I, I, I thought it would have started earlier for some reason. Um, the swine flu pandemic was a big deal. Uh, there's always a pandemic with my movies for some reason. So like <laughs> Zika virus was one. And then there's, you know, and this one, it's swine flu. Um, the Miracle on the Hudson was in 2009. That's when Mr. Sullenberger Is that lands when Tom Hanks? flight 1549. Tom Hanks landed it. Is that when Tom Hanks landed that plane on that river? On the Hudson. Yeah, national hero Tom Hanks. Also, also Tom Hanks. Uh, the U.S. Navy rescues Captain Phillips, killing three pirates and capturing a fourth. So yeah, saving Captain Captain Hanks. What's that movie? Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips? That's a movie? Yeah. Yes. I'm the captain yeah. now. You ever heard that? Okay, well, I trust you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that meme? I'm the captain now? Yeah. I know the meme. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was Tom it's Hanks, great. and then he also played Sully Sullenberger in Sullenberger. Sullenberger. It was an R there, right? <laughs> the Statue of Liberty was reopened to the public after eight years of security closure for 9-11. It was a long time. Uh, some of these are too sad. Don't play that. Well, Parks and Rec debuted. That's that's not sad. Parks and Rec debuts. That, yeah, man. that has mean, one of the best TV characters known to man, Ron Swanson. So let's also talk about movies released around 2009, around when Black Dynamite was released. Not saying that any of these are competitors, but damn, like, look at this list. A lot of good movies coming out in 2009. Hurt Locker, Up, Crazy Heart, Precious, The Blind Side, Inglorious Bastards, kind of hitting on exploitation. Watchmen, Up in the Air, Sherlock Holmes, Fantastic Mr. Fox, the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek entry, uh, Enter the Void, A Serious Man, one of my personal favorites that I hope we watch very soon on this podcast. That is on your list. I have not. I'm, I'm looking forward to that episode as well. Well, we just breezed right through that, didn't we? Just, I mean, listen, it's it's pretty quick. Um, we, we are nothing if so, not on it. top of our Wait. format. That's all I'm saying. Do you have a question? Hold on. Why did you Why did you pick this film? I watched this film in high school. I was 16. I had just gotten my driver's license, and in that time, I was a gigantic fan of parody movies. So one of my favorite movies is Johnny English, parodying James Bond. I love you know these are just so, this is just to name a few of my favorite parody films, but. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Tropic Thunder, Walk Hard, What We Do in the Shadows, Land of the Lost, uh, the French film OSS 117, uh, Galaxy Quest, Spinal Tap, Blazing Saddles. Though That gives you an idea of what we're looking at as far as parody films um, are concerned. I've, I've also heard that uh, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil is very good, though I haven't seen it. 
I, I have a hard um, time calling that a parody notable film, though, because I think it's just a, a comedy, right? It's just, a, or maybe... It's Tucker and Dale versus Evil, so it sounds like it's run like parodying off of Evil Dead. Yeah, it just takes it. Just I haven't. I I don't know. It definitely know it enough, definitely has the the tropes. I don't. I feel like Black Dynamite is a parody film. I feel like some of the some of the yeah. films on this list of parody films may not be parody films in my mind. Correct me if well, I'm wrong. Would we I could say? Be. Would we say then the same thing about Shaun of the Dead? Or is yeah, that... I think I think so. Kind of. I I think. And, and Hot Fuzz. I feel like it's paying homage to those films that it's... To, well, to, and I, think, I, I feel like it's paying homage to the so films, too. but I don't know if they're straight parody films. Like, Johnny English is absolutely a parody film. Mm-hmm. What We Do in Shadows like, is... I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's parody either, but... It's like mockumentary, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's making fun of... Docu- or it's parodying documentary, so I guess, yeah, at that point it would be considered a parody, but... um. Well, yeah, and I think that the line starts to blur a little bit, especially with like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, because those are valid entries into the cinema, you know, anthology in and of itself, just because they're great movies. If you don't know Dawn of the Dead or if you don't know any kind of buddy cop uh, police movie from the 80s and 90s, like if you don't know any of that, they still exist on their own. Um but I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't do any research coming into this episode, so I mean, I could be completely wrong. It just—I don't know why I feel like they're they're slightly, or maybe they're they're a different genre than parody. Well, we films, can talk a little bit about I this. Absolutely, I could be absolutely wrong. We could talk a little about this because or maybe um, both. You know, I had an I had an affinity for this movie in high school, but as I said um, earlier, later in college, I went through the whole you know film school rally and. In my classes, I learned a whole lot more about exploitation and black exploitation cinema, and um, that just led to a further appreciation of this movie because, you know, at first I was laughing because it was funny, but then knowing the context in which this movie lives makes it even more enjoyable. And so I want to do, I hope this, I don't want to just make this too long, I want to give a little bit of a crash course on exploitation film, what that kind of entails, and what black exploitation is for our listeners who are not entirely familiar with that. Because it definitely it definitely helped. I think this movie would have st- stood alone pretty well, but having seen mm-hmm. um, Dolomite beforehand really, really helps. So let's talk about that word exploitation. Exploitation in exploitation cinema means a film that attempts to succeed financially by exploiting current trends, niche genres, or lurid content. Um, They're generally low-quality B-movies made at a very cheap cost. Yeah. Um, So these movies feature uh, suggestive or explicit sex, uh, sensational violence, drug use, nudity, gore, the bizarre destruction, rebellion, and mayhem that was otherwise not seen in mainstream cinema. Mm. Uh, and especially the early entries into exploitation film is what caused a rise in censorship because we needed to kind of curtail all of these things so that everyday audiences weren't affected by 
these otherwise extreme, uh, extreme trends, taboo kind of things. These would not play like in your standard film houses, right? These were kind of reserved for either special screenings or special movie houses that sort of catered to these kind of things. Is that right? It dep- it it depends also as well because black exploitation film uh, those wound up being shown in more mainstream cinemas because it was appealing to a wider audience and uh, started actually making positive money so people realized that and put more money into it and communities were able to have more access to it I'll go through and name some of these exploitation films started with cautionary films like. Reefer Madness, Marijuana, Sex Madness, cautionary tales to kind of get you afraid of taboo actions or, or, or vices, so to speak. I don't have a timeline here, but I'm just going to kind of list categories that fall under exploitation film. So cautionary films like Reefer Madness, uh, biker films like Easy Rider is considered one. And that's a mainstream kind of film. Yeah, that was way more mainstream. Uh, cannibal films. Oh. Like, I don't know if you've heard of Cannibal Holocaust. And even 2013's uh, Green Inferno can be considered cannibal exploitation. There's car exploitation, like Death Race 2000, but even Death Proof and Baby Driver. Uh, there's uh, Shambra films or Shambara films, uh, which are samurai movies that the likes of Lady Snowblood, Lone Wolf and Cub, and then Tarantino would really just turn and make a lot of these exploitation movies into, take a lot of inspiration from these exploitation movies and make right. Kill Bill, Death Proof, Inglorious Bastards, Hateful Eight. Okay, are all his movies just Jackie homages Brown. to exploitation movies? Yeah, I mean, it, you could say that. He has an encyclopedic encyclopedic knowledge of movies and all of these genre films and exploitation films. And he will lift moments from them and use them in his films as well and rewrite them. Like, uh, like kill bill has several just rips from lady snowblood, uh, this Chambra samurai film. Um, Hmm. there are, there are also entries like uh, giallo films, which is the Italian kind of slasher horror. So that would fall under like, Movies that Dario Argento is making in the 70s, like Suspiria, Deep Red, Cat of Nine Tails. He's pretty much the f- the father of Giallo. I don't know any other staple name other than Dario Argento's um, to go with that. Um, there were also mockbusters. Um, I don't know too much about this, but apparently there were fraudulent movies that would be released on the same day as larger movies, uh, movies like the day the earth stopped that was released on the same day as the day the earth stood still. Oh man, that's some planning. Um, uh, monster movies also counted as an entry. So that's Godzilla, King Kong, Sharknado, the tarantula, um, Nazi exploitation, which you know, would later become inglorious bastards. But this is just, this is like wish fulfillment, just like riveting, Nazis bodies with bullets basically there were nudist films which would kind of start the foray into sexploitation and pornography which would you know be some of the places where a lot of these films were shown because of just how much money they had so that's nudist films that's 
uh, revenge films. That's kind of the scary foray of uh, exploitation film where it's, that's just like the movie's angst and very kind of anger driven, <laughs> scary murder movies, which those would kind of give way to slashers like Friday the 13th, Psycho, Black Christmas. Um, and then there were spaghetti westerns like Fistful of Dollars, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Uh, Maddie, there was nunsploitation. Yes, you heard that right. Nunsploitation. Um, nuns uh, shooting them up, naked nuns, drugged up nuns, uh, monster nuns. Also, stoner films kind of fit into this. And a lot of the movies that fit into the stoner category were later entries. Um, so that's Pineapple Express, uh, Jay and Silent Bob, Dude, Where's My Car?, Super Troopers, those all seem like fairly like 90s. Is it a catch-all for just all these different categories and genres of like just films that sort of are outside the mainstream? Or does it have to, as as the definition says, does it have to sort of be capitalizing on or exploiting a trend? uh, Most of these will be exploiting a trend. Um, Monster movies, I don't know as much other than Death, Destruction, and Carnage. So that kind of fits into that list up there. It it was what was considered too far. So like there was prominent drug use, prominent sex and violence that were all not narratives that were playing in mainstream cinema. So why don't I just use that to talk a little bit more in depth about black exploitation? Okay. Um, black exploitation is this entry into the exploitation genre as a whole. It is a subgenre that emerged in the U.S. uh, during the early 1970s, right at 1970. Uh, These rank among the first in which black actors and communities are the heroes and subjects of film and television rather than sidekicks, villains, or victims of brutality. So they're shown in positions of power. The genre's inception coincides with the rethinking of race relations in the 1970s, Um, They were generally aimed at black audiences, but the genre's appeal broadened across racial and ethnic lines. So that's when uh, theaters and companies started really seeing the value in black exploitation. So it really opened the market to a lot of these things. Hmm. Um, Major themes in black exploitation was uh, black power. So that could be seen in movies like Shaft, uh, which there was a current remake starring Samuel L. Jackson. Um, there's uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song uh, is uh, a, a big, one of the most prominent ones uh, talking about uh, black power in the 70s. Um, another theme was uh, stereotypes, dealing with stereotypes. Um, so that's the Mac, which Black Dynamite would take inspiration from, Superfly as well, um, and New Wave, uh, New Wave version of, this theme um, is tackled by do the right thing, uh, which is really handling race relations in the nineties. And then the last one, which is kind of the most controversial type of black exploitation is slave exploitation. So this is movies like Mandingo slaves and what Quentin Tarantino would later pay homage to with Django Unchained. So uh, the genre's films were often bold in their statements, and they utilized a lot of these tent poles of exploitation, like we talked about. They utilized violence, sex, drug trade, and other shocking qualities 
to provoke the audience into kind of putting them in their point of view. This is the uh, very effective means. The films usually portray uh, black protagonists overcoming the man uh, or emblems of the white majority that oppress black communities. So this is where violence and revolution are kind of instilled is that this is showing their fight, their their plight. Yeah, and like, and like you said a, earlier, they're also kind of putting themselves as the heroes of these films, like which wasn't really happening in the mainstream, right? Like you said, they were sidekicks or villains no. or victims. Um, I mean, in Black Dynamite, the main character very clearly is the hero and he is very clearly in charge at all times. And when anybody ever talks about him, he is held in such a high, you know, he's... He's just larger in life, held in high regard, and um, everyone knows that you mm-hmm. shouldn't mm-hmm. mess with black. I was going to ask if if these films, as a majority, were were made by black creators, were m- made and produced by black artists as well, not just starring them. And r- black yes. writers, um, almost yeah. all. See, that's big too, because that's like the discussion that mm-hmm. yes. has been brought up. Yeah. a lot recently which is okay it's one thing to show them on screen it's another thing like who's telling the story is it a white person telling the story or someone who actually lives a story and hold on correct me if i'm wrong but isn't this this is the beginning of like black filmmakers during this time yes yeah before um, this they had no avenue. So, they had no voice like they were they were either they were actors for sure but there was nobody making films financing the films putting them out and i that's that's what I really like about exploitation film is that like, it's not exploiting a people as much as it is exploiting a hole in the system. This is making room for counterculture. This is where counterculture comes. Maddie, what you, you had a point that I wanted to tag, tag onto earlier. Oh, 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 oh. so Maddie, what you were talking about um, with making sure that there are black creators behind these black films um that would start being taken advantage of later down the line when these movies showed popularity to the man and the man right. started seeking control of their industry again, which is when we start seeing white writers and white creators being responsible for these movies. So yes. Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Can we say um, that? I think it's more people started seeing dollar signs and they wanted to start capitalizing on it. Right. So I don't think regardless of the quality of these movies, like especially with Dolomite and kind of what black dynamites parroting, I would say that Tarantino has a voice, has his own distinct voice, whether you like that or not, it's very much a Tarantino voice. So I don't know if I would equate him to being like studios coming in and sort of taking over these stories to make them sort of, uh, yeah, I don't think the studios would come in and be like, hey, we want to make a Shaft remake. Let's hire Quentin Tarantino and all of these white people to do this. Quentin Tarantino is of his own volition, writing, creating, producing. How is that better? And making this How is that better? He's still writing the story that may or may not be his to tell, right? I, I think at some point you have to be able to write for everybody. I think that it's one thing to not have the verbatim experience behind it, but for a studio to come in and say... Hey, we need to hire these people to make this black movie. I think is much worse than that. Ha- that happens all the time. But I, I think it's different from him wanting to tell a story about these people than somebody else. Are we still talking about Tarantino? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. 
Um, maybe it's more akin to the appropriation discussion. Like, well, yeah, I think he thought all this stuff was super badass, which it is. And then started adding those elements to his movies. But all of his early films, Reservoir Dogs up until probably Django. I mean, uh, Jackie Brown was very much, um, ah, see, this is why I shouldn't have this conversation. <laughs> I don't know. I think sometimes some people need someone who's not a freaking Tarantino fangirl to come in and be like, uh, can we actually examine this for a second? And I'm not saying that he's yeah. done anything wrong other than put his foot fetish prominently into every single movie that he's ever made. He but, puts all of his fetishes into every movie he's ever made. It's not, it goes beyond just the foot mm-hmm. fetish. Like, I mean, everything that he loves makes it into his film. <laughs> Well, oh, okay, here's what I'm saying. Just because you want a story to be told doesn't mean you have to be the one to tell it. So if you want to st- tell a story about the black experience, that's great. Have a black person write it. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that he should have done this or because it's not like Jackie Brown is solely told from the perspective of the black community. You know, I think it's just something that I think a lot of writers and creators don't consider. They're like, I want to tell the story. This story needs to be told and I want to tell it. This this podcast isn't about Quentin Tarantino. This podcast is about Black Dynamite. <laughs> That's right. So we've had a little bit of a crash course into exploitation and black exploitation. Now let's just talk a little bit about parody because I, I want to get through all of this because I just want to talk about our favorite moments from Black Dynamite. So funny. At the end of the day... That's what's most memorable is these lines and I'm going to fight that this movie is the more quotable than B movie. It's more quotable than Clueless. Um, that's that's the hill Emphat- I'm dying on. Emphatic head nod from me. Okay, more than B movie for sure. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You have one line. Definitely. Yeah. I, I do remember um, having a bit of an epiphany on Clueless, but I've watched it twice and I think that that might be it. This movie I will watch <laughs> until the day I die. I mean, not every day, yeah. but I mean, I will, this, this movie has massive rewatchability. Holden, it you, does. I feel seen. I feel seen, Holden. It's ah, a good, I'm so, good gift. I'm so happy. That's the, I knew you would like it. I knew you would like it. So I wanted to say this. Um, I don't know if this is much of a conversation to have, or if it's just an easy yes or an easy no. I think it can fit both in the parody realm and in the black exploitation exploitation realm and i think it's mostly because of how serious the movie takes itself no other movies that are parodies i don't think they can't they can't fit because i don't think johnny english can be a valid entry into a spy movie because i think it's a uh, really it's not a good spy movie a lot of these other movies scary movies not scary but it is a slasher hard is this is a love letter this movie mm-hmm. is a love letter to, mm-hmm. you know, that genre. And so, yeah, I think you can, it feels like it was made with the most, just utmost amount of respect and love for the black exploitation genre. So that kind of elevates it to, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And it's very, on top of that, very well written and very funny. Like mm-hmm. scary movie is neither of those yes. things in my opinion. <laughs> so most, most parody movies are, are not, well, they became not great. I think they started out really, really great in the late 70s, early 80s, but kind of became a parody of themselves, which is when it sort of all kind of went off the rails. But I think the reason that it sits so well in both categories is because even though they're very much making fun of black exploitation films of the 70s, it's it's because they love them, you know, and I think it would be one thing if they were just mm-hmm. mocking it. 
and parodying it and like coming from a mocking place, right? But then it becomes parody because, you know, when the boom mic is in there, like Michael Jai White's character looks up at it and to draw more <laughs> attention to it and it becomes just a quick part glance. of his, it becomes part of the shtick. Oh, so, it's so perfect. He's it, an it, amazing it, actor. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, and it's funny, Michael Jai White is not in typically mainstream movies. Uh, his career has been really heavy in this straight to movie like action straight to films. movie action film and he's a straight good to movie. straight to dvd <laughs> uh action what films. else has he been in i don't i couldn't even name him it's what bruce it's what uh uh didn't you have a a line in here about something else that he's in where did i see it oh he's in the dark knight didn't you say yes that's right i forgot about that me first knowing about him that was a terrible way to say that. My introduction, <laughs> my introduction to Michael J. White was the Spawn movie. Uh, yes, I collected Spawn. I had the I had the number one issue when it came out. Um, I wasn't such a big comic book collector, but I did have that one, um, and I was really excited about the movie. And the movie disappointed. Yeah. Oh, uh, really what bad. Spawn? Spawn's a comic book series in uh, DC. No, uh, Image Comics. It was the creation of Image Comics, a new comic brand. I only know DC and Marvel. <laughs> well. So with most popular parody movies, like Epic Movie, um, Scary Movie, Date Movie, any any of those that were kind of these uh, early 2000s parodies, they didn't think to form jokes around the conventions of the popular titles they were ripping on. So, like, I watched a clip from Epic Movie, and in the movie, there's, like, a Gandalf character, and he gets hurt in some slapstick way. Like, he gets hit in the dick or something, and he just screams, My precious! And you're like, first off, Gandalf doesn't even say that. Why is this the thing? First of all, let me push up my glasses. Funny. Yeah, like bastards. They're not thinking about what Lord of the Rings is. And what could make that funny? They're making somebody get hit in the wiener and say a line that's not even Gandalf's line. Like, that's infuriating. <laughs> but where Black Dynamite seems to stick out is it playing in subtlety. So it's those little things like the boom mic dropping in, little glances, uh, actors and extras <laughs> reading the action lines or the parentheticals right before delivering their lines. That's showing true true craft and true knowledge of the thing you are trying to write mm-hmm. about. And I just love, I, I love mean, that. The fact that a movie can take itself so seriously and still be so yeah. funny makes this movie just a loving send up to exploitation and to parody at the same time. Right. And, and I think you're, you're, you're the movies, your examples, like, I think that that's when parody movies were just becoming, they were just devouring themselves. They were just becoming extremely terrible. And oh it makes God. me wonder, it makes me wonder if like the, the predecessors from the eighties, right. If they were actually good or if they were just first, right. Cause when you think about like some of the other movies on your list, you were talking about earlier, like uh naked gun airplane, uh, like, Naked Gun and Airplane, like, to High me, Anxiety. Those are classics. Liam Neeson is great. He's been, yeah, he's the best. But eventually, 
they kept going, right? <laughs> and by the time you got to some of his later work, it wasn't it, it it couldn't hold up to that. And I wonder if the parody genre in itself is just something that doesn't have that kind of staying power. Didn't didn't they put Leslie Nielsen in some scary movies? Oh, I'm sure he the the parody oh, movie scary. He was I feel like I saw him he was the king of parody at that point. Maddie, can I expose myself again? Uh huh. Sure. I enjoy scary movie. I don't think it needed like ten remakes, but I enjoyed the first. That one. first scary movie probably had a lot of par- parodical merit to it. Parodical, and I'm sure that was one of the first of its kind. Parodical merit. That's that's amazing, mm-hmm. guys. Enough of this bullshit. I just want to talk about our favorite moments from Black Dynamite. That's all I can. That's all I can do. I want to talk about our favorite moments. I want to praise this movie for everything that it is and i want to encourage people to watch it so we'll get in we'll get into some trivia we'll get into some quotes but i want to know what did you guys think of black dynamite Maddie, do you want to go first i mean i laughed the whole, yeah i laughed the whole way through between um <laughs> between like the boom mic and the act the extra being switched out and just, I, I don't know. It was fun to like kind of recognize some of the actors like um, Kim Whitley. I love her. She's mm-hmm. always so funny. And then so to see her, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, She's and fantastic. then when she has the tear <laughs> dripping down her cheek. It's a tear that goes and comes. Honeybee. Honeybee. Yeah. Yes. I knew we were in for a good time. But when he goes and he's knocking on his first door and an old lady answers, she's like, he's not here. <laughs> And he roundhouse kicks the door and she goes flying across the room. I could not stop laughing. I was watching this with my wife and she was just like, what are you, what are we watching? I could not stop laughing. He he jokes her. (laughs) He grabs her cheeks and actually Michael Jai White actually hurts the woman. That's not good. Her cheeks. Don't do that. Actors don't don't do that. I don't know why I got such a big kick out of an old woman being kicked across a room. Because it's funny, because who does that? No one would do that. And then um, when his aunt, when his aunt calls him and it it goes to split screen. I love that. I don't know what, I don't remember what she says, but he's like trying to hang the phone up on her and he he just can't get it on the hook. My favorite part in that same scene is like. Scram. Scram. I said split. Shake the scene, you turkeys! Get out of my house! I'll see y'all tomorrow. I've I haven't laughed this hard in a movie. I mean, probably not since rewatching um, Hot Rod for the eighteenth time. This it was <laughs> it was very much yeah. It was just right there. It was just my type of movie, and I thought it was fantastic. It's just I mean I I don't think we've ever had a movie that we haven't had a single critique about it but it's hard to find one with this movie because it's so If we're going to have if I'm going to have one critique it would be this Michael Jai White is way too good at martial arts for this movie and I think that that's what makes Dolomite so amazing is that he has no martial arts skill whatsoever and is just doing it and like kicks are like a mile away from connecting to anything and people just go flying and that's what makes that movie so fantastic so i think that that would be my one and only critique is that they didn't they didn't go the route of like making him really really shitty at kung fu which what makes the original so good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly i think maybe right. that there were 
moments of it. Am I misremembering? I like when Bullhorn comes in. Let everybody know and suckers be warned that this is the outcome when you mess with Bullhorn. So uh, Black Dynamite was like Shaft, right? Dolomite. Yeah, but uh, Bullhorn mm-hmm. was more like Rudy Ray Moore because Rudy Ray Moore would rhyme everything that he said. Uh, yeah. And that was kind mm-hmm. of his whole stick. So Dolomite would rhyme and so did Bullhorn. So I thought that that, was, that character was definitely paying more homage to him. While... Mm-hmm. And he was another producer and writer, right? Oh, good question. I don't know. Yes. Yes. Um, Byron Mins. Not my favorite Mins. character name. Bullhorn. Bullhorn's pretty great. Yes. Um, cream Corn. Is my favorite, followed immediately by Chocolate Giddy Up. I just think that that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. All of the pimp names. All Chocolate of the pimp and names. Arsenio Hall is Tasty Freeze. So good. Cortex. Oh, bitches. Chocolate Giddy Up. Crenshaw Pete. Captain Kangaroo Pimp. Willie. Chocolate Giddy Up. <laughs> <laughs> Him and I, I mean, if I had to pick one favorite, it would definitely be Cream Corn. Yeah. And Tommy Davidson, it just oh, oh when my cream gosh! Corn, when 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 Cream Corn throws the the hair clip to Black Dynamite as soon as he finds the helicopter on Kung Fu Island, and he throws it to Black Dynamite, and, then he goes, and Black Dynamite catches it, and it cuts back to Cream Corn, and he's just like <laughs> we people people's facial yeah, people on People that are listening can't see your facial expression. Hold They'll on. never know. Of of all of the notable uh, character um, introductions in this movie, his was pretty great. When he's in the barber the barber's chair and he's talking just a lot of shit. Yep, that's right. I'm running things. I'm running things. And just running so slow and so crazy in the cape. And Black Dynamite the- isn't catching him somehow, even though he could definitely right. outrun him. It's they turn it into this amazing chase scene, yeah. which ends with them both jumping off of, of the roof of, of a of a high rise or something Onto at the another, same time. Yeah. And Go. listening to them talk about this. It seems like a lot of the funniest stuff was improv. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I think it was very well written and intentional, but I think a lot of the like happy moments just came about by these actors being so funny and really understanding the genre that they were parroting. I just got one thing to lay on you cats and I'll split. I am declaring war on anybody who sells drugs in our community. But Black Dynamite. I sell drugs to the community. So good. That is an improv line right there. So, Maddie, you were talking about earlier, but you didn't quite explain it. But there's a scene where Black Dynamite slaps another character, but actually connects with the actor, and the actor breaks the scene. Oh, you's a corn fed fool with a lot of muscle mass. But it's time for Bullhorn to get up in that ass. <laughs> so funny (laughs) and you can you can see i love this it's like watching bill Hader um break character on snl like you can see moments where the actors are trying so hard not to laugh and it i mean i think in any other movie or type of movie that would completely take you out you'd be like what the hell guys but in this movie it works so well and it just tickles you more one of the main reasons why I still continually watch Saturday Night Live, like every Sunday morning, is, is for the opportunity where like maybe they'll break because it's a it's a live thing and it's on the verge of collapse. And I think that that's what makes it 
Saturday Night Live so interesting. So yeah, when you kind of see that same mentality in this, like even though I'm sure it's, well, if it's improv or scripted, it's just handled so well that it kind of has that same feeling to where like anything can and will happen in these movies. And that's what makes them so fun. Um, after one of the scenes where Black Dynamite yells at Euphoria. <laughs> uh, for okay, I didn't understand him. that. Uh, you Did, can, was there something behind that or was it just like a random? So he was just, he was doing one of his, one of, it was his turn to do some rhyming. It's his big speech. You be cool, mama. Be here, keep you tight and out of sight. I'm going to shake the tree from the roots and rake up the fruits. Rip it up out the ground and find out what's going down. Don't worry about tomorrow, mama, because tonight... Dynamite's going to make everything all right. Euphoria, shut the f*** up. I know that was you. I ain't even got to look. I should send your ass back to Crenshaw P with his hot ass Would you like that? And you see Honey Bee, as, soon as it's fading out, you see, uh, you see Honey Bee just like break character. And that was funny because they only pointed that out in the DVD commentary that we watched the other night. But seeing that just little blip of a moment made that scene so much more funny. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go back and listen to this commentary because I feel like there's so much that I'm probably still missing, which is why I can't wait to watch it again. You should. But, you uh, should because it's, it's way more about the commentary than it is the movie at that yeah, point. They, you know? they, duck, they duck it and it's great. I, th- I think the one thing that... Um, perhaps adds to this the whole experience of watching these movies is that well especially the originals right maybe not maybe not so much this one because this movie had a budget it was three million dollars i think is what i read Mm -hmm. the original movies were put together you know with very little very little and film was expensive so i feel Mm -hmm. like that's why a lot of this stuff was left in is because they didn't have the money Mm -hmm. to do take after take and whatever happened happened they got it and they moved on so if the boom mic came in, it was in the shot. That's just the end yep. of that discussion. Because they don't, there's no, there's no second take. There's no, no. Yeah. they can't afford the extra footage of film. So, and even this why, movie like, ran up against budgetary limitations. Right, because they used a lot of stock footage. Was that a artistic choice or was that a monitor? I was going to say choice? some of those helicopter scenes look pretty expensive. So that's yeah. probably where <gasps> the. The car crash that's used twice in the movie. The same exact footage. So, so Maddie, to answer your question, part of it was budgetary for them, but half of it was staying in keeping with the style of those movies. That's a a big shout-out, especially for Black Dynamite, a big shout-out to Sony (laughs) Pictures' stock library. I know they were pulling, you know, a shit ton from that. These, These original movies made in the 70s, they were right. they were made on the production of a cheap car. John, I don't know if this stuck out to you, but I wanted to note that a major a, a large majority of the music used in this movie was original music. The lyrics of the song would follow what was happening on screen. Match the action, yeah. And I thought that that was a, mm-hmm. such a nice touch. Like they could have done needle drops and it would have it would have been really cool. And I don't know if I would have felt any different, but the just knowing the fact that this was made for Black Dynamite and this guy is composing yeah. these cool, funky, you know, riffs. It's just another that, testament to one of the creators that he had, you know, obviously such a deep knowledge of what he was recreating. <laughs> this movie just goes all it just keeps it just goes all over the place. But like 
he made a promise to his mother that he would protect his brother, which <laughs> his brother dies at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. um, what, for what we think was some sort of drug-related mm-hmm. crime. But then halfway through the movie, he dis- we mm-hmm. discover he's also an orphan. It's just, I just <laughs> love that just whatever the movie calls for, he is in the moment <laughs> at all times. Like he's just, this is, this is a majority of what I wanted to talk about with the movie, just because, you know, we aren't going to do a deep dive into the morals and the values of this movie or anything like that. We're not learning too much other than that. This is a fantastic parody. Any chance that we get to give some applause in black dynamite direction, uh, I'm going to jump on. What's your favorite moment Holden? Um, one of my favorite moments. Oh, I I need it to be my favorite of all. It's hard to pick one. Um, I think one of my low key favorite moments is when uh, Black Dynamite is finished cleaning up the streets and he goes on a walk with Gloria. <laughs> when they're frolicking. And they see oh. these two girls uh, jumping rope on the sidewalk. Hi, girls. What, do you, what is your name? I'm Shawanda and her name's Brick Willa. Oh, those are beautiful names. I'm Gloria and this is Black Dynamite. My mama said my daddy's name is Black Dynamite. So did my mama. Oh, hush up, little girls. A lot of cats have that name. A lot of people right. have the name the Black way, Dynamite. The, yeah, the way that everyone refers to him as Black Dynamite, like totally earnestly. Like his mom calls him Black Dynamite. His mom on his deathbed is <laughs> Black Dynamite. <laughs> What's yours, John? You gotta pick one. So I, I mean, just the whole sequence when when he's in his his first training sequence, right, where he's fighting fighting all the other guys but it's definitely a, it's definitely a training yeah. session right and he's just decimating them but the camera the camera never cuts and he's just like moving behind the camera from you know left to right and like just showing up at <laughs> random places and like this it camera focuses on the one guy who's been knocked down he's watching the carnage happen off screen which is hilarious to me because like there's a lot of fighting going on that's happening off camera <laughs> and then his aunt, just the, I mean, it's a one-two punch, right? Because then the aunt calls, and it's, you know, then he tries to hang up on her, and like he can't get the the phone on the hook. Like you would, you would. I think it's in your notes. I kind of pre-read these, but you said this this movie did not do that great. Like it didn't really did it not connect with an audience. Like I think it's a real shame. And I think like some of the movies we liked the best didn't really didn't yeah. really do so well at the box office. I know Hot Rod didn't. I don't think Nacho Libra did. But Nacho Leo. Leap. Libre, sorry. I'm gonna um, do it every time. And then again, like this movie didn't do so great at the box office. I think it's a damn shame because this movie is fantastic. But it's kind of in line with yeah what it's parodying, right? It's kind of in line with black exploitation films of the of its time. So why don't why don't we take why don't I take that step and lead us into our trivia section? Because John, you brought up a good point. Black Dynamite was it an explosive critical success? But it was a dismal commercial flop, and it reaped just over ten percent of its budget back. So it just completely flattened, which is why it's been, you know, Michael J. White and a lot of the producers, a lot of the same people behind Black Dynamite, 
for years have wanted to make a follow-up, at least a spiritual sequel to Black Dynamite called The Outlaw Johnny Black. From the brothers who brought you Black Dynamite comes a brand new movie that's show out of sight. We've been gone for a while, but now we're back with a Western adventure. The Outlaw Johnny Black. It's a movie shooting, romancing, rain dancing, horse prance, car dealing, faith healing, land stealing. I'm really and truly groovy, Connor. He made Billy a key. Took the eyes of one eye jack. He's a high plains drift. Ain't nobody swift than the outlaw, Johnny Black. Oh, I, I, I kind of like that they're not making a direct sequel. That it. I do too. I don't want an. I don't yeah. want a Black Dynamite sequel. I would love to have a spaghetti western. What's a spiritual right. sequel? Spiritual means a lot of the same people will be back, or um, this spiritual sequel is a spaghetti western. So another exploitation film centered around a, a western type of subgenre. Sub so like, He's going to be the lead again. Michael Jai White is going to be the lead again. Byron Minns is coming back. Tommy Davidson. Tommy Davidson is Tommy coming Davidson. back. Um, Kim Whitley is coming back. Phil Morris okay. is coming back. So like... So can we compare it to like all the all the seasons of seasons of American Horror Story where it's like maybe it lives in the same universe, but it's the same cast, but completely different story? Yeah, sort of. Yeah, I guess you could think of it that way. So after this movie came out, uh, Black Dynamite became an anime cartoon that ran for two seasons on Adult Swim. Uh, It's actually it's it's really, really good. The animation is great. And a lot of the original characters or the original actors came back to voice the characters that they did in Black Dynamite. This cartoon gets to like just sprint with the ideas that they presented, um, and the animation kind of allows them to go to greater heights, like going to outer space and all of that stuff. <laughs> so I, awesome. I, I fully of recommend <laughs> uh, the uh, Adult Swim show as well. Um, so this film I'd was shot it. on color reversal stock, to really just mimic that 70s exploitation look. And so that was one of the things I loved about this was that, like, the color grading changes. I was just wondering if you could explain for those of us who don't know what color reversal stock is. I don't know what color reversal stock is, John. Do you know what color reversal (gasps) stock is? Stand by. Holden, I'm taking your degree away. Thank you. John, I'm taking your career away. Thank you. I don't shoot film. Yeah, uh, I was... Film was not a medium uh, at my film school, uh, despite the name. At my film school, we didn't study film. We studied how to be pretentious without knowing what you're talking about. Well, actually, guys, so it's what it is. is <laughs> oh, so it's just a, it's basically a film type prominently used in low budget movies from the 70s. It produces a projectable positive original after processing rather than producing a negative that needs to be printed onto another piece of film. So it's just a quicker pro- a, a quicker process uh, that exposes better in a, in a faster amount of time and is cheaper to basically deal with. So cheap. Uh, so I wanted to see if y'all noticed this. So there's a restaurant in the movie called Roscoe's Chili and Donuts. Oh, no, wait. I think that's my favorite scene. Go on. What did you just say? You said, melt in your mouth. Quick, what else melts in your mouth? Uh, M&M. 
Exactly. And not in your hands. And who makes him an imps? The white man. No, dig, dig. Mars Candy Company make it. Yes, right. Those white men. Mars is also the Roman god of war. That's what I'm talking about. Who is the Greek god of war? Aries. Now, you take Mars and spell it backwards. Drop the S. What's uh, Ram. <gasps> That's right. And Ram is the zodiacal sign for Aries. Oh, <laughs> now then, Aries' half sister is Athena. Now you get it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Athena. Which is the capital of Greece. That is, that is a fantastic scene. Just how excited everybody gets. It's just so gets. ludicrous. Asclepius, of course. So Roscoe's chili and donuts is a definitely a nod to Roscoe's chicken and waffles. And I actually got excited about the concept of chili Ew. and donuts. It sounds delicious. <laughs> so you notice like <laughs> Black Dynamite takes Gloria to a restaurant called Roscoe's Chili and Donuts. And he meets Roscoe yes. and he's like, how you doing, man? And he's like, I don't know. Chili and donuts just doesn't seem to be cutting it. And then later, <laughs> later, uh, the waitress is like, I can, I got some chicken from last night that I can bring and, and you can eat that with some waffles. And cream court's like, this chicken and waffles? And Roscoe goes, that's it. And he runs out the door. So that's just like a small nod to what is really, what is that... Roscoe's Chicken and Waffle is a real place that you can go. And Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles is in yes. Jackie Brown. Yes. I noticed that last night. It's also a real place. Right. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of that, Roscoe's Chicken and... Chicken and Waffles is... Chicken and Waffles is Oh, delicious. it's amazing. It's the most amazing combination. I bet chili and donuts is good, too. No. Talk about the pacifier. Oh, so guys... Oh, they used one of the main plot points of this well, movie. So one of the main plots plot points is that um, Anaconda malt liquor gives you woo and woo is a little dick. Little, little Richard. Gives you a little Richard. And another name for Richard is dick. Yes. And it is a. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Back, back up. Back up. Because this is this is all. Part yeah, of it's the, the man. Plan, and it's right? one yes, man in particular. To, which is Richard Nixon, but or Richard Nixon is concocted a serum that they put in anaconda malt liquor, which will make specifically the black man's because that's who they're marketing tiny. it to, and that that's the entire that's the plot, plot of the movie of essentially the last yeah the third act of the movie. He, he has no no will to live. I mean, okay, so they use a pacifier. I don't, yes. They okay. use a flesh color pacifier. See, and see, flesh flesh I knew that pacifier. going into my second viewing. I still don't see how they made a pacifier look like that. I still don't see it. That's something I thought that was really cool that really went over my head. No, when we get back home, I'm retired from the revolution. Start a family. Shows picture. That's Betty Joe. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, buy home in the country, raise own fruits and vegetables, back on bread. You know what I mean? Back on. Who saw that come? Who saw where that came from? And his crew members point, and that's a recreation. It's the MLK pose where they're all pointing at where the shooter is, where the shooting came from, and they okay. all point. 
And so apparently that was a recreated moment that they did. Well, that's how that's how Bullhorn goes out, right? That's how Bullhorn no, dies. Yeah, Bullhorn he gets his, gets head, his cut off. head cut off later, like a couple minutes oh, later. Oh, with the boomerang. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Everyone else dies in Which that moment. Which is another one of my favorite lines. Yeah. Everyone, yeah, everyone it's like, dies. Mm-hmm. Except for Black and, Okay, Dynamite. as soon as the one the one um, Black Panther guy was like, he's about to die. And sure enough, one second later, he, and then he yeah, gets arrow. <laughs> and that's, of course, just a spear comes out of nowhere. So your next one here is that the guy who played Nixon practiced six hours a mm-hmm. day with his nunchucks. I think it was an effective scene. I really wish that they would have been completely inept with these with these weapons, though. I wish I would love to see a version of this film where Michael Jai White is terrible at kung fu, and they don't know how to operate nunchucks because the fight scenes were a little polished, a little oh, too choreographed. I still, I but still think that's one of that the didn't things. that didn't ruin it for me. But I think if it would just went that extra step and they were just really shitty at kung fu, it would have been that much more funny to the me. The fact that James McManus who plays Nixon just turns it to 11 and it's just like this caricature. I thought it was so intense. I think that that was what was so fun about the Dolomite in particular was that he was a badass Mm -hmm. and he carried himself as a badass and everyone in the movie said Dolomite's a badass. (laughs) But then when he went to the fighting scenes, he was clearly not a badass. And I think that that's what was so fun funny about that is Mm. so michael jai white is literally a badass and everyone in the movie says he's a badass. so that's the only thing if if i were to be critical that would be the only thing i would point to but it's again it didn't ruin anything for me uh so the ending pose that is the last frame you see of the film black dynamite is the original pose michael jai white posed in as black dynamite and so what he did was he rented a suit he took some pictures in it and that was it he sent the pictures to the director and the rest is history that's what became black dynamite i thought that was great that actually makes a lot more sense because without knowing that at the end of the movie when he does break into the white house he's wearing like he's wearing all black and he does have a costume change (laughs) But the way that they play it, it makes it look like he's changing into something to make him less conspicuous in the White House. <laughs> However, he puts this suit on, turns a corner, and then is immediately attacked by a bunch of guards. So I was like, well, what was the point of him changing clothes? He has to look fly for the final scene. Uh, yeah, that's that's the takeaway now. <laughs> and especially knowing that like that was part of his original pitch was him in that suit. <laughs> so, of course, he had to figure out a way to get him in that suit for the final <sighs> showdown. So that makes that makes a lot of sense. I think that's pretty fun. I think that is too. So that's about all that I have for Black Dynamite. Any final thoughts, Dynamite. guys? Like I'm I'm really I'm really happy that you guys get to watch it. I'm happy that I got to host. And I'm glad you guys liked it. I was surprised when you picked this one. I've never I don't think I've ever heard you talk about it. I was prepared for you to pick like one of your all time favorites that I know about. Um and I I had no <laughs> expectations like going into watching this, but you know, it's something unlike anything really that I've seen, and I'm happy to have been exposed to it, and I really enjoyed it. Holden, mm-hmm. I will end on this. Oh, great. Under the Silver Lake, I don't know. Okay. 
didn't didn't do much for me. Sorry. B movie. Yeah. Okay. You know, I get it. I'm glad that's better than un- Under the Silver Lake. Black Dynamite. I want to borrow both of y'all's thumbs so we can give it a six thumbs up. Oh, this movie is fantastic. Yes. Man, I think everyone should watch it. And if six thumbs up is a new thing that I've just coined, then so be it. I'll take full credit. <laughs> that is a, um, uh, that, uh, is that our, is that a unanimous endorsement for Black Dynamite? I loved this movie. Hopefully I can get to the point one day where I can quote it uh, uh, as well as you do and we can have, uh, uh. We can have whole conversations in in, in Black Dynamite. uh, That's perfect. (laughs) Well, guys, uh, I think that both of you should stop laughing uh, and get pretty serious because it's quiz time. John, go first. You want me to go first? Sure. Okay. John, are you ready for this quiz? I I don't know. I'm... I'm worried. I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna tell you it's hard. Oh. I'm gonna tell you it's hard. I'll give it my best shot. What is Black Dynamite's brother's name? Tommy. Jimmy. Yeah, it's Jimmy. Oh wow. Okay. Well, All right. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Good. Feel good. Number two. Right, number two. What style of fighting is Black Dynamite a master? Kung Fu. Correct. Uh, what TV celebrity? was featured in the pimp council scene. I literally... Kangaroo... uh, Captain Kangaroo. Yes. All right. 785 is the area code to what city? (laughs) Uh, Topeka, Kansas. That's correct. What is the name of the trick Black Dynabite used to distract and shoot O'Leary? It is a trick he used in Nam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, the pie in the window. No, no. Oh, he does reference that though at one point. That right? you do. That is that is correct. That is uh, one of the methods he has used before. That's not. The oh, one that's that he uses that's not when he shoots shoot. him. That's when he's hiding. That's when he were introduced to O'Leary, right? Yes. Damn. For whom did Black Dynamite used to work? CIA. Correct. What is Chocolate Giddyup's job description? <laughs> Pimp. No. What's his job description? I don't know. Literally, literally says it. I don't remember. Who hits the gun out of Nixon's hand? Uh, President Lincoln. The ghost of President Lincoln. Yes. Uh, forgive this question. Black Dynamite's and Bullhorn's friendship that was bonded by the struggle against the man has been brought to an end by what? He's brought to the end by the man. It's a, it's a specific line that Black Dynamite says multiple times, and it has to do with his style. Oh, I remember that. Brought to an end by Kung Fu. Kung Fu what? I don't, I don't remember. Crap. Okay. All right. Last question. Okay. Ever since Black Dynamite was a boy, all he knew was how to fight. He'd fight, fight, fight. And when he got tired, what would he do? Fight some more. Yep, that's it. All right. Yeah. John, All right. you got seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. You Woo. got eight and a third out of ten, actually. That's a passing grade. Good luck, Maddie. I'm scared. I'm sweating now. <laughs> All right. You ready? No. Okay. Okay. Number one. <laughs> 
What is Black Dynamite's brother's name? Jimmy. Correct. Number two. What style of fighting is Black Dynamite a master? Kung Fu. Correct. Number three. What TV celebrity was at the pimp council scene? Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> yes. Yes. Really? <laughs> Number four. <laughs> 785 is the area code for what city? Crenshaw? <laughs> Compton. Uh, Last I guess. don't know. <laughs> Kung Fu Island. <laughs> no. Next question. That'd be great. What is the name of the trick Black Dynamite used to distract and shoot O'Leary? Oh, pie, pie. Oh, no. Shoot him? Oh, shoot. The, the first one was the pie in the pie in the windowsill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's the I don't first remember one. the name of it, but it's when he pretends to be shot and then he shoots him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But we got to know the name of that. <laughs> I don't know the name of it. Something silly. That doesn't get you the, the, the correct I'm answer. not going to guess it, so. Okay. I don't know. Next one. Number six. For whom did Black Dynamite used to work? CIA. Yes. What is Chocolate Giddyup's job description? <laughs> he sells drugs to the community. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Damn. Yes. <laughs> Who hits the gun out of Nixon's hand? <laughs> Who hits the gun out of his hand? Oh, the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, think, I feel like Maddie is <laughs> screaming her answers. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> She's so excited. Okay. Black Dynamites and Bullhorn's friendship that was bonded by the struggle against the man has been brought to an end by what? This is a line that Black Dynamite says. Oh, is it when he's holding Bullhorn's head? <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't remember what he says. Okay. Something about Kung Fu. Any 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 guess at all? Any Any just like last chance guess? The power of... Kung Fu. All right. Okay. All right. Was I close? Number 10. (laughs) No answer. (laughs) Ever since Black Dynamite was a boy, all he knew was how to fight. He'd fight, fight, fight. And when he got tired, what would he do? Fight some more? That's correct. Ah! Oh, man. Did, Son did, of a bitch. Did this did it what happened? happened again? It happened again? We tied? We tied. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So tell us the ones Damn we it. missed. We missed the same ones, right? So, Maddie, you missed uh 785 is the area code for Topeka, Kansas. <gasps> code Kansas. Oh, oh no. Oh <laughs> no. I'm so upset with myself. Okay. Oh, um, take away my Kansas badge. Oh, the name no. of the trick Black Dynamite used to get O'Leary is the birthday candle trick. Just when you think it's out. <laughs> oh man. We both we both said <laughs> the pie in the windowsill. We we both said that. Yeah. Oh, we remembered something. Yeah, it's true. Uh, John uh, obviously Chocolate Giddyup's uh, job description is that he sells drugs to the community. <laughs> <sighs> and the I I feel like I have to throw this one out. Cause it wasn't y'all miss y'all got the exact, I think it was just confusingly worded. Okay. Um, but black dynamites 
and Bullhorn's friendship that was bonded by struggle against the man has been brought to an end by Kung Fu treachery. Treachery. Kung Fu treachery. Man. Yeah. Y'all both said Kung Fu. Yeah. Which got you <laughs> two thirds of the question <laughs> since you both so, missed it. Gosh, what do we do? This is the second time this has happened with me and Maddie. We're equally matched. Okay. Were there okay. any questions? Okay, this that- is all. The, I don't okay. know. Y'all, I don't think y'all know, will know this. I don't think y'all will Who, who's know going this. first. Who's going first? How does. How does Black Dynamite know that the donut mascot was not who he appeared to be? Because he was wearing alligator shoes. That's correct, Maddie. I don't. Should I ask you one or more? She may know that, Maddie. Hello. Yeah. How did? Black Dynamite know that the donut mascot was not who he appeared to be. Oh. Oh, no. <gasps> oh, no, no, no. no. Oh. Uh, Is this happening? Is it his shoes? What about him? His shoes are too... It's his shoes! I know it's his shoes! <laughs> mm-hmm. It's his shoes! <laughs> What about his shoes? <laughs> they're they're too clean. They're not clean enough. Oh uh, no! I'm, did it? I'm sorry, Maddie. Did it I happen, think, Maddie? I'm sorry. I think John won. <laughs> Wait, hold on, Maddie. Uh, Maddie, donuts don't wear alligator shoes. John John <laughs> said that pretty verbatim. Yeah, instantaneously, so Maddie. Yeah. I don't want to rub I'm it sorry. in. You watched the movie more recently than I did. Last night. Last night we watched the commentary and they talked over that scene. <laughs> John's the winner. John, what's our movie? Okay, well, I think I should... <clears throat> I have deserved my right to pick the movie for next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is it? Hey, I just want to say good game, Maddie. Um, oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Tell us your movie. Okay, <clears throat> my movie. I'm gonna go with Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <gasps> Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Hold on, is that what I want to pick? Do I want to pick that? Let me look at this list here. All right, guys, join us next episode when John will pick what movie we're watching. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. We're watching Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and I can't wait because you're gonna love it. You- mm-hmm. Woo! That's me. Well, guys, that has been that has been Black Dynamite. Thank you guys for tuning in. Stay tuned for next time when we talk about Rocky's Big Adventure. <laughs> Pee Wee's Big Adventure. That's right, right? Rocky's Big... Rocky's Big Pee Wee. Rocky's Big Pee Wee. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Maddie joke. You heard it here oh. first on Unseen Supreme... The non-essential <laughs> movie, movie podcast. podcast. Da, 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 da.